0: water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down, God's stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now.
1: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Saturday, May 7th, and we are 119 days till kickoff in Auburn. And life is good. Uh, gentlemen, Good to have you guys both back. Um, good to be back in the host chair. This is Nick, for those who haven't heard my voice in a while, joined with uh, today by Cody and Ben. Um, and we're here today to break down, since the last podcast, actually I had quite, uh, quite some eventful happenings going on in the world of Clemson football. Uh, NFL draft took place. Clemson had a great showing. We will touch on our thoughts, um, sort of do a draft recap for you guys. Um, after that, there's been some recruiting movement, um, some other interesting kind of news coming out of the football world that we'll touch on, um, as well as bring you guys up to speed on where things stand with the Clemson baseball team. We're definitely getting into crunch time within the season. Um, postseason is going to start here in a couple of weeks, so it um, looks like you know Clemson's in a pretty good spot relative to where we thought we'd be at this point, um, so we will you know, take a look at what's going on there. Um, but guys, before we got started here,
0: what's new? Cody, what's going on with you? Uh, no alcohol for me today. I'm on a 14 or I'm sorry, 30 day alcohol cleanse. I'm 14 days in. It's about the longest I've ever been without drinking alcohol since I was like 17. So I'm I'm proud of that. And I hope to continue it the next two weeks and, uh, and see what type of results emerge.
2: Yeah. I congratulate you, but I really can't get behind this, uh, and support you on this one. But whatever, you know.
0: You're good anti-sobriety. Good job,
2: man. I mean, I'm worried that we're putting this out here on the air. We might alienate some of our southern viewers. I mean, it's one thing if you said you were going to vote for Hillary or if you were for gun control. But to not drink, I mean, that's just un-American. I mean, It's, it's borderline com- communism. It's
0: only one month. Come
2: on. Liver needs a break.
1: Good for you. Health angle. Darwin. Um, We're in related news. Ben and I are enjoying beer here. Uh, what are we drinking, Ben?
2: Uh, Oh, I forgot The Elysian uh, IPA Some sort of IPA from uh, Seattle Yeah So I was just back uh, Helping my folks out um, In Somerville, uh, South Carolina uh, A week ago I was there for 10 days
1: Helping them drink beer? Uh,
2: Not helping them drink beer Helping them take care of some stuff around the house But I did drink some beer while I was there Um, You know, a lot of craft breweries popping up um, in and around the South, and especially in South Carolina and around Charleston. Um, so I thought I'd compare their IPAs to, to the IPAs that we got out here on the West Coast. And now I understand why so many we've had so many comments on message boards wondering why we talk about IPAs all the time. It's because uh, I guess people in the East Coast just aren't used to good IPAs because the IPs there, IPAs there were absolutely terrible. I don't know if their hops are just not fresh or bad or whatever, but I couldn't be happier to have gotten back here and gotten some good IPAs.
1: I'm not. I'm not sure from an ingredient angle. Um, I think it's probably just a case of these these breweries have been making IPA here for, you know, in the southeast. I'd say probably going on five years in that range, give or take a couple. Whereas on the west coast here, I mean, you've got you know decades of experience putting this stuff together. So they're probably working the kinks out. But um, yeah, probably the recommendation is if you can get it, stick to the west coast IPAs.
2: No, a lot of those local breweries do have. A bunch of other good styles of beer but they haven't really quite mastered the ipa yet maybe they'll get there i just i, I don't know I, I think they can't get fresh hops maybe that might, mm. that might be it
1: well west coast beer snobbery continues to rain on the uh the podcast here but um certainly we're we're open to experimenting and trying out new beers so please keep those recommendations coming um we'll continue to keep looking for the best and we'll pass that on um guys why don't we get into the nfl draft um took place a couple of weekends ago um you know i think coming into that we sort of there's a kind of a pecking order of players from the clemson team this year going in that we we expected to come through maybe get a couple guys into the first round and then sort of have a a drop off from there Uh, but i think by by all accounts um, when you look at the total number of guys that we had drafted um i view that as as a fan kind of you know, with a lot of excitement, and I, I look at it as a win for our program. Getting the second most uh, number of drafted guys in school history after the 83 season, um, nine guys were selected. We also had one undrafted free agent signed to an NFL roster. Um, so we'll we'll kind of break that down, go round by round. But um, Ben, maybe to kick it over
2: to you, what, what were your thoughts as you, you kind of followed along and watched guys come off the board? Well, the one interesting thing that I'll start with is you mentioned the one undrafted free agent. Usually we have a lot more than that. Uh, but those undrafted free agents turned into draft picks uh, this year. Uh, a couple big surprises for me. I think we all knew that Shaq Lawson was going to go in the first round. Um, I am a bit surprised that uh, Mac fell as far as he did, especially with all the cornerbacks that went ahead of him. I think he's going to have a great NFL career, and he's going to turn some heads. Um, TJ Green and BJ Goodson went about where I thought they would. Same thing with Reader. Glad to see Pete go. Um... I'm not surprised J. Ron Curse didn't go high. I'm surprised he fell to the seventh round. Um, that really kind of shocked me. Um, and then also, Zach Brooks, where, where did that come from? Did anybody see that coming? Did Zach Brooks see it coming? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was
1: already applying for jobs as an interior designer. Um, no, yeah, I mean, definitely congrats to Zach Brooks getting, getting tapped by the Seattle Seahawks. I think
0: he was one of three running backs picked by them. And they need running backs. He's terrific too, as a is catching the ball out of the backfield. So yeah. that that dynamic that he adds to an NFL team is is very important, and that's the way the, the game's moving uh, from a professional standpoint. So I'm it is still surprising though. I didn't I didn't see that coming.
1: Well, why don't we start with uh, with Zach Brooks? I guess he was the very last uh, Clemson Tiger drafted um, in the seventh round. There, two hundred forty seventh pick. I think he was a couple off from Mister Irrelevant. But um, you know, again, good to see Zach Brooks make it at least um, make it through draft day and get selected by Seattle. Um, they did take a number of running backs there. They took C.J. Proseis, um from Notre Dame as well as, um, I think, a running back from Utah, I believe, um, on the Seahawks roster. But, yeah, I think, Cody, you mentioned it. They're going to look at him as a, as a passing option in that Russell Wilson-led offense. Um, they've already got Rawls there to handle a lot of the, the workload. So he'll, similar to what he had in our offense last year, change of pace running back, um, maybe Zach Brooks will be that kind of outlet passing option.
0: And CJ Procise is actually in, in a very similar mold. So, uh, you know, you're not guaranteed as a seventh-round draft pick to make the team, so hopefully he can... He can get it together, you know, make his his name known, and, and make the squad. Same well, with Jaron Kurse. Well, and NFL teams need running backs. I mean, running backs don't last long in the league. I think they're
2: one of the positions that have the, the, the shortest uh, kind of uh, lifespan, uh, so to speak, there. Um, but, yeah, if he can get in there and get some good c- coaching and develop his skills, I mean, th- I think he has a great shot. And the other thing is NFL teams use a lot more running backs per game than they used to. It's, it's not odd to see them have three running backs in there in a the game, two carrying
0: the ball, one that specializes in catching the ball out of the backfield. So he's going to have an opportunity. And he we'll say this about Zach Brooks too. He never cracked that 200-pound mark. I mean, he has he had the frame to be a to add some weight, and he's he was more of a you know hard-nosed runner. What's surprising is he never got his weight up to to live up to that hard nose you know in between the tackles type runner. Anyhow, I told you you'll know more about you know what Seattle's depth chart looks like. You're a big fan of the the Hawks. The NFL's
2: conditioning program might get him to that 200 number.
0: HGH. Yeah, I agree. NFL conditioning program.
2: <laughs> uh, that's sung to the NBC theme song. <laughs> I think so. I
0: think so. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, you mentioned they've got an open stable there. Marshawn Lynch is retiring. I'm pretty sure that's 100% official at this point. So um, yeah, they've they've got to find something. I think that's why you saw them draft so many running backs, but. You know, um, I think he'll be definitely one of those that we look through training camp to see, does he actually crack the roster? Is he a practice squad guy? Um, or does he kind of go go back to the world of interior design? Um, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. He's very yeah.
0: fresh. I think he got less than 200 snaps last year. Gallman yeah. commanded the vast, vast majority of the snaps. So right. it's almost like he had a,
1: you know, you're well, off. The calling card of that Pete Carroll and John Schneider their GM. Like, their calling card is finding gems in the late rounds. Even... A lot of times undrafted free agents also so um you know he was just about as close to an undrafted free agent as you can get going at pick 247 um so anyway good luck to Zach Brooks you also mentioned going late um in the draft was J-Ron um safety out of Clemson I think you know there's there's been a lot said about J-Ron's final season as a junior um I think in the you know right when announcements were made the guys were you know, going into the draft and trying to go to the combine, that sort of thing. We felt strongly that he still had maybe some development in him um, that he could get done at Clemson. We would have liked to see him come back. Probably TJ Green also that we can touch on here
2: shortly, but... Yeah, but um, TJ Green went in the fourth round, so... Second round. Fourth. Second round? Second Second round, round, yes. Yeah. I'm right, it was B.J. Goodson in the fourth. Yeah, T.J. Yeah. Green in the second So think that through, and we'll come so, back to so you. That, well, that, that's even better. That's legitimate, then, like, for, for yeah, him to come he, out. You can't question that for a guy going in the second round. Definitely. Um, and why don't we talk
1: about both these guys in the same segment here? I mean, I think a lot of fans thought that either guy or both of them had needed some more development before they were league-ready. Clearly, the Indianapolis Colts and a lot of other teams felt that T.J. Green was good to go. I think a lot of that is based on his combine showing and just the athleticism that he shows and his potential there. Maybe a little bit less so some of his instincts that he showed while at Clemson. Um, you can talk about that national championship game and some other kind of missed assignments, missed tackles um, that he had. But, you know, first of all, I mean, congrats to these guys getting into the league. Absolutely. I any, yeah, I was going to say that. We could sit here and kind of um, nitpick or critique, but... Um, it's a know. tremendous
2: accomplishment to, to, to do it, no matter where they win, right? Absolutely
0: well, the um, thing about this year, as opposed to last year, or really any year that I can remember, is we've never had this many underclassmen declare, so they're going to open themselves up naturally to scrutiny and you know when you layer that on top of the fact that we're if those guys come back, if even just half of them uh, one guy in the secondary and one guy on the defensive line come back, the worthy front runner, we have to think is the for the national championship and I, I they've left themselves open to scrutiny, and I think safety in particular with the way they left a lot to be desired uh, well, in their performance in the last half of the season.
2: It's special teams aside, it's the one position group that you can point to that lost us in the national championship game, mm-hmm. right, was this was the safety play. Um, you know, TJ Green, I mean, second-round pick, that's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, you talked about his instinct, Tully, and I think he probably had a bunch of uh, blown uh, assignments this year. Um, but NFL coaches have egos, and when they see a guy uh, with that has the build and the frame and the potential, that a guy like T.J. Green does have, they're going to know, or they're going to tell themselves they know that they can take that guy and turn him into a great player. Uh, when you see those abilities, now I don't know what happened to J. Ron Curse and why he fell all the way to the seventh round. I thought he would have gone uh, fifth.
0: I, I know what happened. So, for one, I said this, I, this somewhere. Uh, maybe I, talk, I talked to Alex Kraft recently, and I said if if uh, if Curse would have ran a four four, he'd be right up there with Green, right. if, if not higher. If Green doesn't run that four and he runs a four six, that linebacker type forty, he's he's not getting drafted. It's purely potential. And if you look at the bust throughout the course of the year, Alex Kraft talked about this in some of his articles. Most of those were on Green more so than Curse. Curse, his uh, kind of his down, downfall was effort and maybe maybe yeah, injuries it, that it, we didn't it, know his about.
2: His O leg against Switzer. Uh, in yeah. the North Carolina game. I mean, if he would have run as fast at the combine as he did chasing down that guy for Louisville, <laughs> you're right, he might, been, he might have been drafted in the second round. But listen, it's an... I mean, we know, listen, there's no beating around the bush. I, I, I think it's safe to say that these guys were trying to protect their NFL career, and they let off the, uh, foot, the, the foot on the gas a little bit um, trying to do that. Um, and that's one thing to do it when you're a senior, but it's extremely arrogant to do that when you're just a junior.
0: Right. I want to rant on curse for just a second and you're right congratulations to him all of that I think you know down the line we'll look at him as a very proud uh, alumnus but right now there's a little bit of a I don't know I don't want to say like bitterness but there was like some left to be desired by the end of the year you and think he's, he did us dirty I don't think he did us dirty I think he was looking out for his own health and it cost us a national championship and here's the thing here's the the way it's come full circle now because I don't know if you saw his interview, but he said the, what every player that gets passed on in the drafts is saying nowadays. The thing that Michael Jordan said: "Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make those 31, you know, whatever teams pay. I'm gonna make the guys in my position group pay, or whatever the case. And it's becoming so overplayed and, and overdone. Everyone says that now. And when you're a seventh round talk draft, is cheap. Talk is very cheap. And when you're a seventh round draft pick, like just let it be. Just quit talking. Shut your mouth." And let your play do the do the talking well, on the field. The Vikings skipped over him six times. I, exactly. <laughs> they might even have more than six picks. I think they might. Have, so they picked. They passed over him at least six times. And as a seventh round draft pick, you're not guaranteed to make a team. It's likely he gets cut, and now he's going to be look, hoping for one of those other 31 teams to pick him up.
2: Now, now listen. So watch what you say, man. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money on the line. That a type of money that we'll never know, um, and. He is a young kid. I mean, he still is, you know, early twenties, right? So, I think that at the end of the day, he is going to perform on the field and have a career that shows much higher than his seventh round draft pick. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I, I think this 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 was a setback for him. I don't think he gave the best effort in the end of the year, and he was looking out. Yeah, for well, himself. This, this could be a
1: motivator. Yeah, and whether he's got to tell himself, "I got to show the other thirty one what's up" or my ability. Whatever it takes to have him hit the weight room in the offseason here, learn from his, you know, elders on the team, that kind of thing. You know, Minnesota's got a pretty stout defense already. He he, and then Mackenzie Alexander, who's going there with him, can be definite contributors. Um,
0: yeah, and it's not so much, you know, it's, it's a great thing if that's what you're using for your own internal motivation. I just say keep it, in terms of publicly, keep your mouth shut. And I'll say this too, be I think if he would have the same like focus on the task at hand and quit worrying about the big picture, if he'd have been doing that while he was at Clemson, he wouldn't have gone in the seventh round. If he would have been thinking about you know Oklahoma and before that North Carolina and then of course in the championship game Alabama, a lot of scouts really picked that film apart. And when you only run a four six forty, it only it just it. it only compounds the problems, or your issues, so, the way you're viewed.
2: These are the things we're going to have to deal with now, though, having elite talent on the field. I mean, this is going to happen. This is a new era of Clemson football, and we're going to run into these things that we haven't run up against before. I mean, uh, no longer are these the days of C.J. Spiller coming back uh, you know, for his fourth year. Um, right, that's it's probably guys like that probably yeah, are just going to go the factory for the league. Yeah, after their third year, now especially when we having so many guys drafting. there are going to be underclassmen that come out there because there's people in their ears, whether it be family or uh, associates um, or guys you know connected uh, to agents. They're going to be in their ear, one probably trying to take advantage of them um, and maybe not have the best their best interest um, and heart, and then trying to get them. To to maybe make a, uh,
0: a decision that's not necessarily best for them, like that's gonna happen. Um, I think you can say if you you know taking our Clemson bias aside and wanting him to come back to as a shot in the arm for the secondary that desperately needs it, and as from a business perspective, strictly business perspective. It would have been a, it would have behooved him to come back for another year just from his from the stock and his potential. Well, it would have behooved him
2: to give effort all year and then he right. would have gone high. But
1: he comes back. Let's say he has an above average season. Maybe he goes in the second round. That five round difference. And I think you guys have mentioned it before. The team takes you in the second round, and you maybe have a average uh, average kind of um, camp showing. They might still keep you around to kind of invest in you. If they take you in the seventh round, like you're you're.
2: Expendable, absolutely. Can dispose of you yeah. and not worry. about I, it. I still think the Vikings got to steal with him in the seventh round. We'll I, see. I, I really do.
0: You know what? You know how he's going to have to make uh, make his name known at least initially. Special teams. That's where those seventh rounders. Like if it's between you and another guy, and they, you don't, they don't feel like, hey, you're not fast enough. You're on a four six. Well, you better make your name on special teams. And that's it's ironic because well, hit.
1: We know because... he can hit. We know he yeah. he wraps up well when he's there. When he makes the right. When he's in position, puts himself in position. Um, I mean, through the Notre Dame game, he looked like, you know, definitely a first-rounder, second-round type caliber guy. Um, and then, I, I don't know if he – I mean, I saw him come out of the game and go to the locker room during the Notre Dame game. No injuries were reported after that, but maybe there was something there that slowed
2: him down some. And then we win that game. Clemson gets thrown onto the national stage, and all of a sudden everybody's focusing on those guys, and people start talking. You know, J-Ron, you know, you could be a second-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, TJ, you know. You're playing better than anybody thought you would. Kevin
0: Dodd, you know, where did he come from? He came out of nowhere this year. And looking back, I don't think there were any huge surprises this draft, but if you go back six months, it's a, a whole lot of surprises because I don't think anyone even thought Dodd was going to go into the draft until maybe December. And, you didn't know uh,
2: about B.J. Goodson. We, we, we didn't
0: think he was going to necessarily get drafted or that high. And or Zach like, Brooks. I mean, there are a lot, of,
1: lot of surprises maybe not after – the Whole run to your point, you know, we had a great team. These guys
2: performed really well, um, just pleasant surprise here. And it's, it's, it's because of these guys performing that well that we yeah. went to the national championship game, too. I mean, without their performances, and Deshaun Watson. well, and Deshaun Watson, but that defense yeah. played a part in too, especially early on in the year when the offense was mm-hmm.
0: sputtering a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but can we talk about the bright side of the draft? Sorry, I, I think it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll we'll say that. Well, let me talk, let me say one last thing on the on the seventh round pick. You talk about the money, not just the team investment. Just from a, if you're a first, second, maybe third round pick, you're a building block for the team, and they look at you as a hopefully a potential starter. If you're on the backside of that, you're like you know maybe high upside, you know high volatility. If you're a seventh round pe- pick, the money is it's minuscule. Are you almost better off being an undrafted free agent? You you could well you could be because you could go to the team that best fits you at least. Right. And uh, so yeah, there's an argument to be made there. None of the money is guaranteed. It's roughly 500 grand a year or four years, two million total. I know that sounds like a like generational type money to some people, but it's simply not. You know, taxes, uh, agents, and then living an NFL lifestyle, you'll blow through that really quick. Oh, there's stories of so many guys that, that yeah. blow yeah, yeah. through money. If you're not in that first round, uh, or sec- really second round where there's actually some guaranteed money, that's why Dabo says if you're not first round, reconsider. And there is some logic to that. It's not all you know, him wanting to pull guys back in for a- another round. It's, it's, it's hey, like, you're going to lose a lot of money. You're leaving money on the, on the table by going too well, early. Well, if anybody has these
2: guys' best interests uh, at heart, it's Dabo. And we know that. He's going to give them good advice. Um, and not be selfish, so to speak. At least we trust that, that that's the case. Yeah, if if not a little biased, but yeah, he does at least have
0: their best interests at heart, for sure.
1: Um, well, we talked about a couple of underclassmen there. Why don't we move on to some seniors that were drafted? We'll kind of go in descending order here. Um, also picked in the se- seventh round, wide receiver Sharon Peake, um, picked up by the New York Jets. Who knows who's going to throw him passes, might be. Um, Fitzpatrick might be Geno Smith if his jaw recovers. Um, <laughs> and I, I think they drafted, they drafted somebody, um, at the quarterback. It's not already. looking
0: good at the quarterback for they, the Jets.
1: I mean, this is kind of a trend for Clemson wide receivers throughout the league with the exception of, um, in Pittsburgh. But basically, you know, you get talented WRU guys that go to teams with, you know, a revolving door at quarterback. Um, you talk about Sammy Watkins, New Hopkins,
2: um, these guys just, you well. That- know, that's they they excel despite having poor quarterback. It's level. not just Clemson guys. I mean, that's the problem with wide receivers across the league. There just aren't a lot of great quarterbacks. Right. To, it, be, to be honest with it
0: you, it made me so irritated to see Odell uh, Beckham Jr. As great as that guy is, so over uh, overshadowing Sammy so much because of his quarterback. The guy throwing to him. I still think Sammy has such a high ceiling. Maybe even as high as Nukes. We'll see. That's you know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But he needs a quarterback. Uh, but. You know, Sharon Peak taken in the seventh round, I think
1: um, I mean, my report on Peak is he really had one full season in the starting lineup um, as a wide receiver, which was this last year. did really well, I think some knocks on him were and we certainly talked about it all year, how aggressive he was in kind of being a defensive wide receiver when there were some of those kind of challenged balls up there. Two or three interceptions that we would have liked to see him at least contest or possibly knock down. Um, I don't know if that's what kind of knocked him down a bit. I think also um, some questions about his hands might have come into play and just his health. I mean, the fact that he did only have so many starts in his career um, as a senior coming out um, is a question mark. But, you know, certainly the pe- similar to J. Ron Curse and T.J. Green, the talent and the pedigree is there. He was, what, a five-star recruit coming in? He was, yeah. Um, so Jets might have gotten away with one again. But at the same time, I think he might have to learn from um, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker and some of the guys that are there about how to,
2: how to really hack it in the league. You know, what a great story for, for Peak. You know, congrats to him. He's gone through a lot. He's had some unfortunate things and some bad luck happen to him throughout his playing career. But he did really come on at the end of the year. Um, and it's just great to see him get drafted and, and
0: have a shot in the NFL. I mean, there could be documentaries in the future about this 2011 Wide receiver class for Clemson. I mean, you know, you don't know how it'll turn out, but you're talking about Martavis, Sammy, and uh, Adam Humphreys last year, and now tying a, a bow on it, Schram Peak. And I, I think I think a lot of it had to do with injuries. The reason he fell so far. Yeah, and that's the Jeff Scott. That's the Jeff Scott tree, right? Wide yep. receiver recruiting
1: that he's done, and obviously development too. So um, that will continue. We've got quite a stable of wide receivers here, but. Great to see Pete get that recognition. I, I feel like he's going to make the Jets roster. Um, let's hope he's able to continue to stay healthy and develop. Just hold on the ball, man. That's right. <laughs> it's crucial. Um, and it's the Jets. They're kind of, you know, never know. Never know what you're going to get with the Jets. Um, but they had a pretty good year last year. So next up, kind of moving back into the fifth round, um, was defensive tackle DJ Reader. DJ Reader. Um, he was drafted by the Houston Texans. Should he make that roster, he'll be lining up next to J.J. Watt and potentially uh, Jadavian Clowney if he decides to play football ever in his career. Um, so, you know, I think think this is a great fit for D.J. There, That's a team with one of the league's best defensive lines. They've got a great um, defensive system there. So um, he... He's going from one great defensive system where he was a key contributor, but maybe not the man, to another system where they've certainly got Hall of Fame caliber guy on that defensive line, um, in J.J. Watt. So um, I think Watt tweeted actually when Reader was picked, you know how excited he was to play next to him, which is awesome too. So um, I think you know Reader had some personal reasons why he was he started the, the season not playing. We got a lot of good contributions from. Christian Wilkins, and Scott Pagano last year. Um, but when Reader came back, it was definitely a shot in the arm for our, our run defense, um, and that definitely catapulted us to success. So, again, great for Reader. We get another defensive guy drafted um, off of our lines, or off of our
2: line there. Good stuff. And was it the death of his father? I, I think
0: um... I, th- I think so. Oh, well, I think that might have had a little bit to do with it. He, yeah, his father did pass, so yeah. that could have been it. Well, just another, another great story. So glad, yeah. glad
2: to see him come back. You know, similar, Jay Guillermo had some personal issues that he fought back from. So we had two guys come back this year um, and rejoin the Clemson family. It's not that they ever left, but, you know, rejoin, rejoin the football team. Um, but so to, to see uh, DJ Reader go through that, come back, have a successful end to his career at Clemson, and then uh, get drafted in the fifth round. Uh, and, again, like you said, Tully, uh, to the Houston Texans, a, a great defensive football team you know, fantastic for him.
0: And that might, like you said, Ben, that might be one of those benefit of the doubt, uh, Clemson, you know, going with a, a, kind of the brand that you know, or it's becoming a, a brand name, the Clemson, uh, you know, the Clemson brand. And, and, yeah. and, and, you know, obviously knowing that that pedigree means something across the league now, where it, I don't think four or five years ago it did. Sure.
1: And I think that that's also true of B.J. Goodson, who was taken one round earlier in the fourth round by the New York Giants. Um, by contrast, uh, the Giants are not a great defense. Um, the days of Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck and those guys are over. Um, so they're almost completely revitalizing that defense. A new coach, they, New coach, exactly. I think a BJ. Goodson um, could be part of that young core that they build in to overhaul that defense and get back to glory. Um, but he's certainly one that might be getting the benefit of kind of that Clemson, Brent Venable's kind of defensive brain trust. That's that's not to take anything away from Goodson. I think he had a phenomenal senior year with us. Um,
0: he was a combine stud. He, he his bench press, his um, all of his his uh, measurables, uh, even his forty time was just kind of blew even Clemson people away. And unlike Curse, where he didn't score so high, uh, Goodson can combine good measurables with good film, and I think that's for an effort. Had. And and yeah,
2: right, an effort. Well, and. Think of what he meant to our team last year. I mean, between him and Ben Boulware holding down that linebacker spot when we had zero depth behind them. Yeah, uh, their play, both of their play and coverage uh, was a liability. But other than that, I mean, they really held things down. And this is with Kendall Joseph, everybody thought going into last year was going to start ahead of B.J. Goodson. And then he goes down, and for B.J. Goodson to step up um, and play as well as he did all year long and to work his way in to a mid-round draft pick again, I mean, it's just these guys that I don't know if they overperformed necessarily or they just continued to get better and progress, Um, but this is why we ended up in the National Championship game when nobody thought we would after losing so many guys uh, on defense last year. Yeah. I mean, a big part I think of his contribution was also his durability and
1: I'm not sure if that's what the Giants also saw as this is a guy that we can count on to play snaps and he played pretty much, um, you know, every series of this season um, on defense for us. So, yeah, congrats to B.J. Goodson. Um, I want to say I was impressed by some of the Giants' defensive picks. Um, it's interesting they also took Sterling Shepard from Oklahoma to line up alongside ODB, and then they've got uh, Victor Cruz coming back. So they might be putting up some points on offense. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, good stuff for Goodson. Uh, we did touch on T.J. Green, so I think you know, good for him to kind of have a, have a good showing in private workouts in the combine. He was taken, like we mentioned, in the second round um, by the Indianapolis Colts. They're not necessarily known for their defense either. Um, that's the same team where Andrew Luck in the offense, you know, was really prolific last year. But I think the defense ultimately cost them a shot at advancing. Um, they're going to look to TJ Green to kind of help redefine that secondary for them and um, kind of flip the field. So um, I don't know. Good, you know, good on TJ Green. I don't know if this is the best landing spot for his skill and his talent he's not necessarily coming in I And mean, the colts i guess you could call them a contender they're probably the favorite for that afc south division next year um but i always like to see guys like you know dj reader land on our and already established and good defense versus clemson guys like sammy watkins coming into the bills um and cj spiller for that matter you know you go to the one of the worst offenses in the league and there you are. You got a yeah. guy languishing.
2: Yeah, but the, being on one of the worst offenses in the league is different because you're dependent on the quarterback play, and the quarterback's hard to come by. It's much easier to rebuild your defense. Uh, so I think this is great for him. Anytime you have an opportunity to play on a team uh, with Andrew Luck, again, talking about great quarterbacks, that's you know a commodity, um, and that gives you an opportunity, and you know you have
0: a chance um, to make it far, and perhaps win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think for Green, he's still a, a project, and that the scouts, and I think Indian, Indianapolis said as much, it's going to be at least a two- to three-year thing for him, and uh, we'll we'll see where he ends up, because uh, there's still a lot, um, you talk about he came in as a wide receiver, he played safety as a backup uh his sophomore year, and then he finally got thrust into the spotlight last year, so, and he, you know, frankly, he, he busted a lot, and he didn't look great in coverage, um, some instincts, some things he'll have to work on, but Huge uh, upside for sure. Look at, I mean, his 40 time, they were talking about taking him as a corner. That kind of blew my mind a little bit.
2: Yeah, and again, NFL coaches have big egos. So when they see measurables like that, they think they can turn that guy into, especially when it wasn't a natural safety to begin with, right? So give him some time in the system, like you said, two to three years, and see what they can turn him into.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who's probably more likely to have a direct impact right away this coming year as a rookie is going to be Mackenzie Alexander. Mac was taken I guess it looks like three picks before um TJ Green by the Vikings um in the second round and you mentioned it earlier Ben I think this was a surprise to us to see how far far back he he fell um do you know how many corners
2: were selected ahead of him there I there's like five or yeah, five, five I think yeah it's quite a few I mean I thought he could you know I knew he may not go in the first round I was surprised I mean, he fell is everyone's favorite
1: yeah. um but to see him fall this far back, I mean, I, I think it is a great fit with the Vikings. They've already got a really strong defensive system. Um, it's Mike Zimmer. He was the DC for the Bengals for a while. He's their head coach. That's definitely a defense first team as much as you want to talk about Adrian Peterson and, and Teddy. Teddy, Ritchie, Teddy. Yeah. Um, It's all about defense up there and mostly the pass rush. So similar to what Mack has played in the last two years, I feel like he's going to step into Minnesota and be, fit into a familiar system. Um, There, where Everson Griffin and those guys get a good pass rush, you know Mac is back there,
2: um, probably doing his lockdown thing. Um, So, and everybody kind of picked on the fact that he didn't have any interceptions. Nobody ever threw his way. Right. And he's not. It's not like he was going up against the best quarterbacks in the country in the ACC um, that had the ability and had the confidence to throw his way. So he just didn't get a lot of action. He did. He did what he had to do. I don't think he had one touchdown thrown on him last year. Uh, so that's all you can really ask for.
0: I think so. Oh, well, I, th- I think there is some evidence, some uh, some stuff on film that, that says that he needs to work on his ball skills. You can see it in the way he covers. However, yeah, I think no touchdowns or was it one? I don't know. It was it was very few it touchdowns. Zero or it one might have something. been in the
1: South Carolina game, right. which kills me to say, but um, <laughs> we beat him. Who cares? Exactly. <laughs> I,
0: I think the big thing is his, his height is what held him back a little bit. It, NFL scouts seem to be infatuated with uh, with these bigger, and they were even at some point considering Green as a cor- as a cornerback just because of his build, six two, and obviously the desirable forty time. So they were going to convert him. Think about that for a second. You're talking about Over McKenzie, Mac yeah. Island, and uh, and. I don't so
1: know. I I follow yeah. a lot of you know Seahawks beat reporters, bloggers, whatever, and, um, you know, out there, it's the Legion of Boom. Out there, it's, like, the, you know, it's all about the secondary. Pete Carroll's a secondary guy, and um, while they definitely favor the tall corners, these guys were so impressed when Mac was finally picked. They're, like, the Vikings got a steal there. You know, his, um, his coverage skills, the way he moves, his kind of hip motion um, was everything you would want in a corner. It, they... They just weren't on. He just wasn't on Seattle's radar due to height and wingspan, that kind of thing. But I, I personally think you know they saw and we've seen what what Mac's capable of. And did who you knows get, about the height thing? I mean,
2: you know, it didn't seem. Do, do you, does anybody really think that TJ Green or Mac is only three picks better, better. than TJ Green? <laughs> it's all potential. It's all potential. Well, I've seen what Mac can do. Yeah, they're all, and they're the all, same age too. Yeah, we've all seen what Matt can do. Yeah, um, again, I think he I think he's gonna have a, a really good NFL career.
0: Did you guys see the Immokalee, um His like his background uh, video. I haven't seen it yet. It was it was really good. It was I mean we always knew that like, he came from Immokalee. It's a small agricultural town that lives Orange right groves. Yeah, I mean there it's it's high. It's everyone lives right around the poverty line. It's very sad. His family um, came from I can't remember. I'm, can't remember the country. Anyhow, he, uh, he really had a, a really legitimate reason, and that's the thing that we kind of lose sight in sometimes is where these guys come from. So uh, th- the bottom line is his, he came from a very uh, hardworking family. His work ethic is there. Davos, Sweeney said at times he had to tell him to leave the weight room, you know, go home, rest. Uh, that's the one thing you, you, have to, you can't really account for or you don't always know about, but he's going he's gonna to work his butt off.
2: You know, there's, there's so many great stories um, up and down this roster. And seeing these guys come out um, and getting into the NFL, I don't blame Mac one big. I think he should have gone this year. And we all expected him, yeah, uh, to leave for the draft. And again, good for him. I, again, another guy I think is going to have a really good NFL career. I think the Minnesota Vikings got a great player. Right. Awesome. Well, we will.
1: I'm sure we will see Mac on many a highlight highlight reel, or at the very least, um, hopefully we yeah.
2: won't see. Him can I highlights. can I propose a rollover deal from last year? Yeah. <laughs> we said we, we talked last year, and we said if Mac got an interception, that Cody would buy us shots at the bar. So can we roll that over into the NFL as soon as he gets his oh, first we get, interception? We get more games. NFL yeah. teams play more games. We won't so. count preseason. preseason games.
0: No, because they, they will try to pick on him. And it's like, what do I, like, there needs to be some kind of counter to this. Like, I need, what, what would be the downside if he doesn't? Every game that he doesn't get a pick, you guys pick up my tab at the bar.
2: How about how about if Zach Brooks rushes for a thousand yards in a season in the NFL? <laughs>
0: okay, now, now you're reaching.
1: Uh, Safe bet. We'll figure the shot thing out later.
2: Well, we have to wait till the end of May when Cody starts drinking it anyways. That's a good point. Yeah. not that he'll be playing then. But I feel like it'll a be a wheatgrass
1: shot until then, um, <laughs> or whatever the hell you drink. over that. You hippie. <laughs> so um, alright two 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 other picks to discuss um, also going in the second round um, strong side defensive end and world beater Kevin Dodd uh, went to the Tennessee Titans the Titans made some waves early on in kind of the draft run up by trading their number one overall pick to the LA Rams um, and I, I'm not sure if this was actually the, the Rams pick that they used or was it their original second rounder um, for Dodd but I think um, it's interesting I mean a lot of a lot of hype coming into the draft. I mean, I even read somewhere that people might take Dodd over Shaq. I never thought that that would actually happen. But um, you know, first of all, great to see Dodd get selected and get his due after an incredible senior or uh, junior year. Right, um, he came out one year early, but effectively uh, amazing last year. We got to the national championship because of Kevin Dodd, and um, you know, good to see him get that recognition and get a pretty high second round pick overall. He was the was he the It's the second pick in the second round. Second pick in the second round, yeah. Yeah. So um, good on him. I don't know too much about the Titans' defense and their system that they run there. um, But I feel like, you know, someone who works as hard as Kevin Dodd and someone with that much. I mean, I read an entire post um, on SB Nation's main college football and kind of NFL crossover preview post about um, his kind of wiper move, kind of a windshield wiper move that he has. And they were just. hadn't seen anyone do that in years how how effective he was and his timing of that and going off against you know stud offensive linemen how quickly he was able to plow through them Um, I think that that is going to translate well and he's going to have a phenomenal
0: rookie year and you know what's interesting and we talked about this before here uh, when he came into Clemson uh, Venables is like who is this kid he's not going to be a player for me because he he came from Riverside High School out of Greenville it's known as a baseball powerhouse certainly not a football powerhouse and uh, he came in very raw, had little to no coaching, and talk about player development stories. Uh, he, you know, he made it happen. You're talking about a, a move that he learned uh, over the course of that four years. And, man, that's – and we talk about going back six months. We had no idea. Like, when we, like oh, Dodd's going to leave early? That was, a, that was a surprise at the time. And then before long, it was just uh, – we were, we were surprised that he didn't go in the first round. So. It
2: took four years to learn the windshield wiper?
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's less about – a than kiwi, loop, <laughs> than is it is. is. that a fundamental? These old linemen know it's coming, and he still is able to get under the pads, get under their arm, like time it. And anyway, I'm gonna, I'll circulate that link. We'll tweet it out. You guys can read it. It's really, really great. Um, Got some Raynex on that. Kudos for Kevin Dodd. That's right. Change those blades, though. Ben, are you drunk? It takes more than a beer. He's had some chardonnays. No big deal.
0: <laughs> some shard bombs. <laughs> Well, talking about another player, I know this is where we're going next is Shaq Lawson, who also learned to master that Dwight Freeney spin move. That's incredible.
2: Well, I'm glad we finally got Shaq. I don't know how we went top or bottom to top here, but end uh, on a high note, right? That's right. Um, always. Well, we we always knew we knew Shaq was going to go in the first round, and we knew he wasn't going to drop any further than 19 because you know if a Clemson player got to to, to Rex Ryan and the Bills, the Bills were going to take him. Um, About half their roster, I think, is Clemson guys right now. Um, So, But, you know, congratulations to Shaq. He had some injuries that he was dealing with there at the end of the season and in the national championship game. Uh, But another Clemson uh, first-round pick, fantastic, especially the defensive end position, man. You talk about this being wide receiver, you. Our defensive ends are making waves. D-line you. Yeah. You know, looking ahead to the Dexter Lawrence and
1: Christian Wilkins era coming in. But, um, you know – Shaq is a great story considering he really had one year in the limelight um, coming off of the 2014 class where our defense was number one in the country. Um, to see him actually, we all had question marks, like was he going to be able to step in for Vic Beasley and hold down that weak side? Emphatic yes. Um, I think he did fine. In, in many ways, you could almost say he did a better job with you know run run coverage um, than Vic Beasley even did. So um, amazing for Shaq. I think, a, you know, some would say, "Oh, it's kind of a nepotism thing with the Bills, considering Rex Ryan's position." But um, definitely deserving of that of where he was selected, if not sooner. Um, and I even I even can look at this as a little bit of a slight, you know, having other line, line players selected ahead of him. So um,
0: he was looked benchmark. at. You know, he's looked at as like a uh, top ten pick at one point. He fell to eighteen, so it's not only a good value, I think, for the Bills, but uh, the NFL teams spend a good amount of money and resources in doing background checks it might be it could be as as invasive or as extensive as following the person around their hometown or going and talking to people that coached a a given player when they were middle school they've done this before or at their high school their JV coach well they didn't have to do that with Shaq Lawson because everything's in Clemson they have ties there Um, you have the best endorsement a teammate Seth Ryan who probably said yeah Shaq Lawson is a great teammate he's a great person." So I think that you can say what you want. You said about the nepotism, and people might see that as a, I guess, a slight. But I think, if nothing else, I think it's an endorsement on his character.
2: Let's keep giving offers to sons of NFL coaches. Why not?
0: <laughs> we got the uh, Rob Ryan's son. What, yeah, what, what are
2: the odds? We saw how Seth Ryan played in the spring game, and there's actually a lot of talk from Davo about him. Like they, they think that he can actually potentially be a better player than we thought he would be and be an actual contributor to this team. What are the odds Rex drafts him in two years?
0: I think he may sign him as a free agent uh, placeholder. Is that what it's called? A holder? Just a kick, whatever. Yeah. A placeholder. Okay. Yeah. Um, equally
1: important to kind of all the accolades Shaq is getting. I think it's just a holder. Sorry. Yeah. Holder. Here here we go on special teams. We're going to, we're going to Wikipedia that and we'll come (laughs) back to you. We'll chime in. But, uh, Shaq also got the very sought after endorsement from Shaquille O'Neal, who may well be his namesake. Um, (laughs) Sha- Shaquille O'Neal uh, made comments about Shaq Lawson. They've spent time together, um, and he's like, "Look, you're, you know, things will open up for Shaquille's of the world." And um, it was just
2: great to kind of see that. Apparently, that Shaq mention. googles his name often, and Shaq Lawson kept coming up. So yeah, that's he's how he's starting he... to creep in on his Google results. <laughs> um,
1: but anyway, uh, look, nine nine players selected. We also didn't touch on our tenth player, Joe Gore. Um, signed by the Washington Redskins as an undrafted free agent. Um, he's going to be, it looks like, Kirk Cousins. He's going to be protecting Kirk Cousins there. Um, and I don't know who they've got toting the rock in Washington right now. Um, but great, great for Joe Gore. I think thought he had a phenomenal career with Clemson, capped off by an awesome final year. Um, so good, good for him. Always good to see undrafted free agents get some love.
2: Would have loved to see Eric McLean pick up an undrafted free agent contract unfortunately that didn't work out you know we'll see where he ends up I don't know if the the road is over for him but
0: um, I'm actually rooting against him from a football standpoint because he is unbelievable as a uh, on the microphone he, he yeah. could totally be a, a broadcaster play-by-play anchor whatever that is super selfish but I agree with you. <laughs> we'll see there but
1: I, I think by all accounts you know nine guys selected ten at least at this point going into fall camp um, is a great haul for Clemson especially coming off a prolific 2014 class. Um, we didn't have as many draft picks there. I think thought maybe we averaged a little bit higher. Um, and, you know, those rookies did not disappoint across the board. And they're, you know, really doing well. So to get another class come through like this, and then we really didn't turn anyone over on the offensive side outside of Zach Brooks, Joe Gore, and Eric McLean.
2: So next that's, year is going to be even stronger. not a huge hit on Sharon Peak, Right. Um, that, yeah and we're stacked at wide receiver. Um, but no, second most draft picks in the country behind Ohio State. Um, that's that's certainly something to brag about, and that lets you know that your program has arrived on the national s- stage and is absolutely a legit powerhouse. Congratulations to each one of these ten guys that are h- going to have a shot in the NFL. I look forward to following them all.
0: And I, We don't want to dive into next year right now, but I will say I, I saw an article from Travis Haney of ESPN how – we have, who has the best chance of uh, getting to where the, the Buckeyes were this year with, like, 12 or 13 picks? And uh, Clemson's right up there, man. There's a lot of guys with their name in the hat. I think the whole offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Darn near
1: because there's a lot of, re, you know, returning seniors or um, underclassmen that will be draft eligible. Um, defense, not as much. I guess you're going to have Tank. And um, I'm not sure who else actually on defense. Probably Scott Pagano. Uh, Watkins. Would, but, uh, Watkins, for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Bullweir. Ben Boulware, indeed. Uh, So we will see next year. Maybe we'll spend some time in a future episode projecting that, seeing who's going to go where, any surprise picks. But I think if you polled us 12 months ago, even at the beginning of last year, we probably would not have predicted nine selections and some of these guys um, going as highly as they did. So great showing. Absolutely. Congrats to, to all of them. Cool. Well, I guess... As we look ahead to the fall, and as these guys do or don't make rosters, we'll, we'll keep track and keep tabs on that. Um, now that we're going to have so many guys in the league also, we might want to incorporate some segments when we do you know, our recaps um, of how they're doing in, in the league, You know, any highlights from Clemson players. So That's
2: going to be a lot of guys to keep track of. Speaking of a lot of guys in the league, did you see how many South Carolina uh, have claimed
1: recently? Yeah, so you guys probably all saw this. Um, the South Carolina social media account, I think it was on Twitter... Uh, made it infographic or kind of a, I don't know, a, whatever you want to call it, an image um, of all the guys, 25 of them, I believe, um, who have played for and been recruited by their head coach, Will Muschamp, um, effectively claiming all of those players, um, not as their own, but uh, it's pretty pathetic to me when you're looking at, you know, players that played for and defeated your school um, putting that out there and kind of lauding it in social
2: media. Well, they yeah, they hashtagged it Gamecock football, I think, didn't they? I think so. I mean, that's that's a reach right there. I mean, are we at rock that, bottom with them right now? I think if they go winless
1: this season, that'd be rock bottom. Um, well, they've done that before. They certainly have. I mean, I think they're they're in all hope mode with their new coach. That'd be a familiar I think that's rock. A, that's a sign, you know, with that tweet Um but man, yeah, it's, times are tough. Did they have anyone anyone go in the draft? Farrow Cooper.
2: Farrow? And He actually didn't go as high as I thought he would. Because I think Farrow Cooper's a, yeah, he's a great talent. Is one of the guys on their team that could have started for us. One of the very few. Um, yeah, I think he's a great wide receiver, um, and he'll do well in the NFL. I was, I think he went fourth round, fourth or fifth round, or something I like that. I like think it was later
0: than that. And was he, it? We can we can fact check that. But Other I don't, know, that, if he I was don't your, know who yeah. else went for them. I, I believe he was the only one. But yeah, I'll say this about South Carolina before we, they might be a rock bottom, but I think just through their recruiting, they will, they will get better. Things will get better. And unfortunately, they'll probably beat us out here and there for a few recruits, which we've pretty much cleaned house uh, in terms of in-state recruiting recently. So I'm going to be quick to, or uh, slow to, to throw insults their way or their jabs. Don't want it to come back to bite us. Yeah,
2: I'm feel pretty confident with where we're at as a football program right now, so I'm not going to be too worried about yeah. what they're doing. I, I've seen what Will Muschamp can do as a head football coach. <laughs> um,
0: His work speaks for itself, right? Yeah,
2: at Florida. Florida, a school with tradition yeah. in the state of Florida that has some of the best recruits in the country. Um, okay, so let's see how you do in South Carolina with a coach who just quit on him because um, he got tired of being there. We'll see. And the rival school.
1: You know, being number one all year, bringing everybody back, et cetera. So, anyway, the stage is set. Let's see how Will Champ can bring their program along. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be watching that one closely. Um, maybe other kind of news and notes about Clemson football. Um, we got an interesting commitment from a recruit yesterday. Um, Logan Rudolph, um, 6'4", 240, um, coming out of Rock Hill, Um uh, Took a kind of, I guess you could call it unconventional approach of announcing his commitment. He posted, what was a video or a Vine, something like that, on social media um, of himself in basically, what would you call those? Cut off jean shorts? Daisy Dukes. Daisy Dukes. Is that what you call them when guys wear them? I'm not sure. But, yeah, they're uh, still Daisy Duke. Dale Dukes. <laughs> Dale Dukes uh, cutting down a tree. Um, it looked like a sapling. was It wasn't exactly a, you know, a giant oak or anything like that, but... Uh, Cutting down a tree, you guys need to see this video. I'm sure you, you all have, but that was how he announced his commitment I to Clemson.
2: I loved it. I mean, great personality. I love to have a guy like that on the team. My only qualm: Why the hell didn't he finish chopping down the tree?
0: The video cut before the tree fell. I was enjoying it. I could have watched him chop down that tree all day. I'm a heterosexual male, just to just to confirm.
1: <laughs> uh, so that was awesome. I think his personality fits in great with the culture of this team. Um, you know. He's cut from the same cloth as Ben Bulware, I, I feel like, you know, looking at that. But uh, awesome way to announce that made the rounds. Um, I don't know if that's what Clemson wants to be known for necessarily, but
2: um, no, it's good. Well, it fits in perfectly with the stereotype of uh, the Cal College, I suppose. I bet him and Ben Bullware chopped wood in the offseason together.
0: I'm sure, lumberjacks, man. Yeah, man, and, and
2: Daisy Dales. Yeah. Uh.
0: <laughs> well, I'll say this in, in all seriousness from a recruiting standpoint. I feel like we have not been taken. We are very much in, in it for the long haul with a lot of recruits. We haven't been taking these high three-star, early or uh, low four-star guys that we've taken in the past. Uh, you know, and then we're leaving some room open for the guys higher on our board. Um, but we took him. So it tells me that he's either, A, they really have, feel good about his upside as either a defensive end or outside linebacker. I, I see him at defensive end. They see him at linebacker. We'll see how his body grows. But... um, the the other part of that is I think they think a lot of his character. I, 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 that's what it says to me, and they're probably putting more of an emphasis on that as well as this guy's probably going to wreak havoc on special teams. That's my that's my kind of my take. I don't, well, know, if, I I don't know if that's true. I I going to wreak
1: havoc on trees.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of trees in Clemson. That's a good point. And people hate trees in Clemson.
2: Um. Okay. Um, <laughs> I beg to differ, but. Um... No, yeah, I, I think his character just shows in that video. I mean, he's not out there picking a hat up off the table, right? I mean, he has a sense of humor. Uh, it was very <laughs> subtle. Uh, I love it. I think he's going to fit in well. I mean, this coaching staff evaluates three star talent very, very well. Yeah,
1: I think they get the benefit of the doubt here with, um, especially on defense, on the defensive side. And he's a defensive end. Um, we'll see where where he develops. And I think
2: special teams is probably his. And he'll destiny. end up being a four star. I mean, I think by like, scout or somebody like that, he already is a four-star, and he's mm-hmm. three-star across the board for the other recruiting services. But mm-hmm. I think given his senior season, um, we'll probably see him bump up to a four-star. And I think the coaching staff knows that. Yeah,
0: Clemson will actually help um, this go around with bumping people up to four-star. That's
2: about time. Usually somebody picks Clemson and they drop a <laughs> they star. <pop>. Yeah. <laughs> Any other recruiting notes, Cody, you've been uh, keeping up on? Man, we've fallen off for James Robinson, right?
0: We have. We are, we are not leading for James Robinson right now. Um, Trey Smith is one guy. He's an in-state um, from your neck of the woods, Ben and Wando. Wando, okay. Wando, yeah. And uh, he's, he's a top 100 guy, as long with uh, Shai Smith, a guy out of Union, top 100 receiver. We've actually passed on these guys because we have T. Higgins and J.J. Robinson or James Robinson as five stars. So that's where we're at in recruiting. But I think recently uh, Robinson is trending more towards Florida. I think we're going to just go all in with Trey Smith and say, you know, this guy's mom played uh, – Volleyball at volleyball. Clemson. Yeah. You know, he's an in state guy. We got to put an emphasis on that. He, sh- he has shone out in camps, so he's earned every bit of that four star and uh, with, with upside to maybe even move up a little bit higher. Um, the one guy I want to just make a quick mention of that I think gets lost in the shuffle is Hunter Johnson. The guy, the, guy, the five star guy that shifted from Tennessee, it happened so quick, um, the quarterback. Um so that we didn't we just like, oh this is you know, things are great, things cool. are really good. Yeah. But he has been showing out at, at the seven on seven camps. Accuracy, everything. He's just next level talent and uh he hits every throw apparently. And yeah, that and he also runs like a four-five forty. So I'm not I'm not saying he's gonna be like Tosh Boyd with running the ball. Not bad
2: for a white guy from Ohio.
0: <laughs> from hey, Ohio. We yeah. see how fast Tully can run. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> I know we just did uh, timed ourselves in forties earlier. So <laughs> any anyhow, uh but it, I, I think, think he's, he's, in he's
1: good in cross country. Did you? Yeah. Why are you, why
0: are you so shocked? Well, like in not not in speed, like not in uh in sprints, right?
1: Not in sprints. Okay. Long distance. <laughs>
2: anyway, another story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> he can run for a long time slowly. Anyway, exactly.
0: <laughs> bottom line, Hunter Johnson. Uh, I think we're looking at how is Kelly Bryant developing, but this guy can be putting his name in the hat for that starting role next year. So keep an eye out for him and how he progresses.
2: Chase Bryce. Yeah. Then, the class after that, the 2018 class, Uh, this guy from Fort Dorchester. We've just offered him, and he's apparently a phenomenal talent. I mean, wide receiver you, D-line you, quarterback you? I, I think so. I hope so. After,
0: yeah. After Deshaun think of the draw.
2: I mean, you have so many great wide receivers. I mean, that that gets you quarterbacks, right? It does. And then vice versa, that will get you wide receivers. Well, and a lot of it also is O line you.
1: The job Robbie Caldwell is doing, you know, bringing in and developing guys like Mitch Hyatt, you know, you've got to protect these quarterbacks. Looks like we're turning into football (laughs) you.
0: Looks like we're turning into homer.com (laughs) you. That's right. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes.
1: Um, All right. Well, All is good on the the football front, clearly. Um, Keep keep track of recruiting updates. It's going to be, you know, a little bit of the doldrums of summer until the fall camp starts uh, up in late July, I believe. So um, stay tuned. We'll keep track of what's going on. I think we'll use the next um, several weeks to look at some interviews, uh, maybe take a look at some historical stuff, and just in general uh, respond to any questions we get from folks. So... um, Hit us up. We were happy to discuss, debate, anything that you guys you guys are interested in on the football front. Um, before we wrap, we, th- we definitely, though, need to pay attention to what's going on with Clemson baseball. Um, little bit of a roller coaster season so far. I think we started much hotter than we all expected. Uh, maybe hit some road bumps there with a lot of our road series. Uh, but over the last two series, have taken care of business against a couple of the top 10 ACC foes. Uh, ben, you among the three of us have paid the most attention to baseball here. What what's up? What's going on?
2: Well, if I would have told you that Clemson scored nine runs today against NC State and had a pitcher go five innings without giving up a run, um, you would have thought we won. Um, no, we lost twenty to nine. Uh, <laughs> nine though. Nine got nine. You know we beat NC State over the last uh, five innings, six to nothing. Um, <laughs> Which gives us some great momentum going into the rubber match tomorrow. Um, but I was prepared to come into this segment uh, with glowing uh, kind of commentary about the baseball team. And this this game took a little bit of the wind out of my sails. And it's unfortunate that we keep seeing these big blowouts. Um, but this game aside, um, I will question a little bit why Riley Gilliam was starting this game. And I want to talk a little bit about the starters. Um, but... We did hit kind of a lull in baseball. We were playing a lot of road games. We haven't fared as well in the ACC, but now we have a bunch of home games coming up on the schedule. Um, we took the series against Florida State, a top-ten team, which is huge. Um, we took the game, uh, game one of the series, against a top-ten NC State team last night with this big. So we're starting to get hot again here at the end of the season. Uh, but the biggest issue all year long has been the errors on this team. Listen, our hitting is undeniably fantastic. Um but our pitching is just not good enough to overcome all these area, er, errors. We have me, a mediocre pitching staff at best, and the errors make them exponentially worse. Um, the left side of the infield is an absolute disaster. Between the shortstop uh, position and third base, The third base has been a revolving door all year long. Uh, it started with uh, Renwick and it's been a, several other guys, Batson, uh, Green, uh, you know, here and there. And then Eli White at shortstop has been plugged in there all year long but I think his uh fielding percentage is hovering around 900 if not below um that's really taken a toll and I still think this team uh is definitely going to make the playoffs obviously and could even host a regional um and possibly come close to winning 40 games this year but I don't think we'll make it past the regional or if we do um we I'm not sure we'll make it past a super regional we, we can't with with this poor defense.
0: Have you seen any line, lineup changes? Uh, is is uh, Lee Incorporated any like new players? to provide a spark? Or um? Well, we
2: clearly have no other option at shortstop besides Eli White because nobody else has played there all year. Um, again, I mentioned the guys that have been in there at third base. Um, I, I would kind of like to see Williams uh, get a shot at third base and see what he can do. Uh, he got off to a slow start with his bat this year. Um, I think Cox, I've seen him make some good plays at first base. I think it's wise to keep him over there. But i would like to maybe see williams get in there and give a shot um get a shot at it um you know otherwise kj bryant has been inserted into the lineup and has added a spark at times. so i've liked what i've seen out of him can we just recruit anyone named kj for any sport i feel like <laughs> anything tends to work with a out. j really yeah yeah well i think we need to first uh, uh recruit guys that can play defense um I would take a short stop that hits 200 at this point, which I think Eli White hits down here, close to 200, <laughs> uh, but that can field, right? Uh, you need a, a guy who can field and be solid to that position over hitting. And I think that's what this team is missing. Um, we don't have any one great starting pitcher. Uh, crawl. Crawl a guy who came on, and I think he relieved Alex Schnell in the Florida State game that was delayed um, by some weather. Um, and he came on and had a fantastic game. I think he is a no-brainer. He's been our best pitcher all year long. He pitched seven innings in that game, I believe. It's it's time for him to become a starter. I believe he's going to start tomorrow against NC State. Besides that, um, I, Clay Schmidt, I still think he has to be a starter. I think he's, he's best fit in that role. You see a lot of these guys like him and Eubanks who've been pulled early in games. But you look at their line, it's... Not as many earned runs as r- runs given up because the defense has been so bad. I've seen Schmidt come in in relief and not farewell. He didn't do great against uh, Furman here in the midweek game where Seth Beer had to walk off. He had a good uh, performance against BC, right? A um, couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, he's been up and down all year long, but I, I, I still think right. him and Crawl are definitely weakened starters, and I think them between Charlie Barnes. And Eubanks, you switch them out with a righty-lefty matchup depending on what the lineup of the opposing team is and have the other one come out of the bullpen, uh, which happened this week. Um, Barnes uh, started the game uh, yesterday, I believe, for NC State. The Eubanks came in and pitched the rest of the game and did very well. Um, A hit that we've had to the pitching staff, Jake Higginbotham uh, is out for the year with an arm injury. Um, Other than that, I mentioned again that Gilliam started the game today against NC State. I think he needs to remain... So, Ben, why did How it did take so long to
0: move Craw to the starting rotation? You
2: know, I can't speak to that. Uh, at first, I was, uh, I'm not sure if they, if they knew they could stretch him out that long. He did have a pitch count the other night against Florida State. It was about 80 pitches. He ended up with about 85. Um, but that, that, that could be it. But I, I think now that everybody's on board, I think we're going to see him become a starter. He could be that lockdown starter. He's the one guy that I've seen that can overcome the errors. I mean, he can strike guys out. Um, he can pitch around this types of things, so if we can have him really come on and if Clay Schmidt, between Schmidt Eubanks and and Barnes just be serviceable I think this team has, still has a good shot this year coming out of the bullfin Crawford has pitched well Schnell's been roughed up lately he's been given some opportunities starting I don't think we'll continue to see that Bostick has kind of been on a, a little bit of a downward turn um so and it's still closer by committee, but the thing is, we haven't really had to close out a lot of games. We've been blown out on the road and haven't been pitching in the ninth. And we've been at home. We've been coming back in the ninth and walking off. So, you know, that hasn't been a huge need for a uh, closer. I think we only have about four or five saves all year long. Um, as far as the hitting is concerned, uh, here's the amazing thing: we're scoring runs this year by the bunches. I mean, and we're I haven't at, I haven't heard the name Seth Beer yet. Um, Who is this guy? Uh, you know, he's a guy. Uh, Cody, you wouldn't know anything about him as you're not drinking this month. But, um, uh, Beer-free he, month. He, he is phenomenal. And if I can point to... A lot of people are going to point to Monty Lee as being uh, the reason that we've turned things around this year. I'm going to point to Seth Beer. I think Monty Lee's done a great job. But Seth Beer's an absolutely phenom. Uh, phenom. I think without him that we're a 30-win team at, at the end of the day. Because um, the team average, batting average, is down this year over last year. How many walk-offs are like, you know prolific where he's scoring most of the offense for the entire game. I mean I, well well it's, it's not just him but he's clutch, right? And he he changes the dynamic of the game. He hasn't been getting as many good pitches to hit lately, but he's walking a lot and that really is changing things. Um and, you know put another guy on base and you're having to pitch around him and there are guys behind him that can hit. Um but again, like I mentioned, the average is down this year for the team, but Beer's a huge difference. I mean, he's got 14 home runs. Again, hasn't hit many lately because he is not really getting pitched to. But you saw him the other night coming against Furman. Uh, I believe it was, in, was it an 0-2 count. I, thought, I think it was down the count. He ended up uh, driving the ball, I think, to left field, opposite field, and winning the game. So um, he's just a fantastic hitter. He is, in my mind, the biggest reason why this Clemson team is doing so well this year. Um, a strong beer can make all the difference. Absolutely. Can't go wrong with beer. Now, that being said, I do want to talk about Monty Lee a little bit because I think that has been a big difference this year. But first, um, about Jack Leggett. Jack Leggett. It is past time to move on bashing the guy, okay? Get over that, Clemson fans. On the message boards, get the hell over it. Because I'll tell you this, if it wasn't for Jack Leggett and what he did for this program and the position he put it in and the prominence that he brought this program to. A guy like Monty Lee, a big up-and-cumber popular guy in college baseball, would not be choosing to come to Clemson. So you have Jack Leggett to thank for that for laying the foundation. And the majority of these players are Jack Leggett recruits, Jack Leggett developed guys. Seth Beer was a Jack Leggett recruit. I mean, he should have gone to MLB draft, but that was... um, And then Monty Lee to be able to come in there and and talk to him. They had a a phone conversation. Seth Beer decided to stay. But yeah, that's a Jack Leggett recruit. I feel a little bit similar
1: here to throwing dirt on Tommy Baden's grave. Um, what He took Clemson from the, the late 90s doldrums to, I don't want to call it prominence, but I, I want to say more than mediocrity. And his era did not end as well as we thought. We had too many, you know, eight, nine win seasons, et cetera. But, um, you know, it kind of laid the groundwork for what came next. I think same can be said. I mean, Jack... Tommy Bowden's nowhere near the legend for Clemson football as Jack Leggett is for Clemson baseball. Right. So I don't want to kind of, you know, equate the two there. Um, it's just, it's interesting kind of revisionist history. So many people were so excited for Tommy Bowden and what he brought. Um, I think it's just so easy to look back and be like, oh, he, you know, terrible coach. We're so lucky to be done with him. Same with Jack Leggett.
2: Well, so let's cross that over to basketball real quick. I mentioned this as we're talking about coaches, and that's what we talked about in the basketball season, whether or not you let Brownell go. I mean, the other part of that is there's somebody out there that you can bring in that's going to make a difference. <laughs> that happened with Tommy Bowden. Like, Dabba was in the wings. We were all a little skeptical. Um, but Terry Don Phillips uh, was around this guy, and he knew he had the potential to be a great coach, and guess what? He's a great coach. And now we got Monty Lee coming in again. He has the luxury of having Seth Beer, so we're going to have to see... Um, how he improves other aspects of the team, but what he's done so far this year, we are hitting and pitching worse, but still winning games. These guys are confident, they're never giving up, they're coming back in games. Even when we were down 20 to 5 today, we ended up, you know, 20 to 9 uh, and beat them over the last, you know, 4 nothing or something like that over the, the, the past the last five innings of the game. So these, these guys never get up. Yeah, we've, we've lost, I don't think we've lost any weekday games this year, which was a big problem uh, last year, and one of the and this is great, so this is something I noticed watching the game last night, I believe we were in the 7th inning Um, there were 2 outs Beer was up with an 0-2 count on him, Uh, Cox was on first base Um, so with an 0-2 count on Beer Monty Lee sends Cox a guy that's not fleet of foot, he's not a fast guy so you're wondering why is Cox stealing in this moment with 2 outs when you got Seth Beer up, are you trying to you know, taking away a bat from Seth Beer, but what that does, Seth Beer's in a hole for an 0-2 count. If Cox makes it, okay. Then Seth Beer's probably in a 1-2 count and has a guy in scoring position. Cox get thrown, gets thrown out. Beer comes up. You know, you erase that 0-2 count, and he, he is uh, leading off the 8th inning. So you essentially give him more opportunities, extending a bat. What's he do in that 8th inning? Because uh, Cox did get thrown out. He walks. We eventually ended up getting the bases loaded. Um, we didn't score, which is still a problem this year with Clemson with the bases loaded, but still that that goes to show you. I think that was a fantastic coaching move to send Cox right there, and that lets you know uh, how uh, smart of a baseball mind Monty Lee is. Could, I mean, that's just an example. Could
0: he coach the Braves? Because I don't think they had that kind of intellect with their current manager.
2: Uh, the, well, the problem is with uh, with Freddie Gonzalez is that he's never really he, he was he's been a victim of a really poor front office, um, and now. They're just completely rebuilding. Uh, the unfortunate part for us is, is that I don't think Freddy Gonzalez is a great manager, but you can't put any of the blame on him, uh, so to speak. So, you know, not to you know get off track here and start talking about the Braves. The question is, can the Braves be bad for another
0: couple of years and draft set beer with the number one overall pick? Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen, but it'd be great. Instead of 500, I'd rather go into tank mode and get beer. Let me ask you this, and I, I've already messaged you about this earlier this week, um, over under on beer hitting 400 this year it's, it's looking pretty good right I mean, yeah the odds. Or, uh, the, the I'm odds. sorry the odds yeah, yeah with 400 uh, well I'm going to say if, well, if we do over under I'll say over 400
2: um, and the odds are very good um, yeah no I, I think he's not how much
1: of an accomplishment is that in college baseball
2: we
0: all know how good Ted Williams. That's still pretty damn good. A true freshman in the, the what is it called the dead bat era now? I don't know what it's called, but they've taken a lot of the juice out of the bats. Averages have, go- have plummeted. This isn't like the Cleo Green days where he hit like four thirty.
2: I mean, think about it. Oki's hitting like three sixty something this year, and we're not even really. I mean, we're talking about him, but Seth Beer is coming, mm-hmm. blown him. Uh, you know, off the stage. Uh, Cody and I talked about it last time. I and mean, Seth Seth Beer's a freshman. Will he hit 500 in his career once if he only gets better? I don't think that's really hard to do. The law of averages come into play. It's probably not going to happen. But he's going to n- get no fastballs whatsoever after this year. No, but he'll, he'll adjust. And eventually teams are going to have to throw to him. I mean, he's just a great hitter. Um, he's a natural great hitter. I think he'll probably hit over 400. Um, What's his on-base percentage? Do you have the numbers? Um, I do. Let me pull them up real quick. Um, I am willing to bet that it's over 500 because he does walk a lot it's gotta be yeah I'm thinking Um, 550 uh, man you were right on the money 548 on base his slugging percentage is 770 good god um, which is more than 200 points higher than the next batter Chris Oakey at 566 so absolutely amazing Um, Seth Beer again he is the big reason why this baseball team is so good this year so um Let's wrap it on this. I, I mentioned I still think we can get close to 40 wins. I'm thinking 38, 39, looking at the rest of our schedule. We are currently, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth in the Atlantic behind Wake Forest, NC State, Louisville, and Florida State. I think we can actually climb as high as third because standing-wise, uh, Wake Forest is 11-11 uh, in the conference. We're 12-13. and 13. NC State has a very tough schedule left ahead of them. I think they play North Carolina, who isn't a great baseball team this year, but still a formidable team. I think they play Louisville still. They, they, they have a pretty hard schedule. So if we can take the game from them tomorrow and we stay hot as we have been lately, I think this team can climb. Listen, that's saying a lot because ACC is a really, really good baseball conference this year. Uh, we've got four of the top 10 teams in the country um, and eight of the top 25, in, in including us. So if we finish strong, I think we can finish third, and we still have an opportunity. We've been ranked for several weeks in a row now. I think Clemson can still land a regional if we finish finish the season well. Gun to your head, where does this team end up this year? Um, I think this team, uh, looking at the rest of the schedule and how they've been playing, I think we make some smart moves with the pitching staff. Again, I don't agree with Gilliam starting today, but I think if you uh, go with uh, Schmidt and Crawl, uh, and then alternate Eubanks and Charlie Barnes, depending on the, the the lineup that you're facing, and I mean, the defense have kind of given up on. but if the hitting continues the way it's going, I still think we end up with about 38 wins, and I think we can uh, climb up to th- definitely fourth. We'll, we'll finish no lower than fourth in the Atlantic, and I think it's a strong possibility we can host a regional. Do you think we'll make it to the super regional round? Do you think we'll go out in the super regional final? I don't. Th- I don't think we make it past the regionals, because I don't think we have... If, if we had strong pitching and, bad, and only bad defense or the mediocre pitching that we had and good defense, I think we have a chance. But the fact that our pitching is mediocre and our to defense is terrible, like that, yeah, like that. I, I think it's going to be tough. Although we, we have the hitting to do it, and that's for sure. Uh, I, I think our ceiling is get to a super regional. Okay. Um, we're definitely making the playoffs uh, for sure. I think the lowest we go is probably a, a two seed in a regional. Good
1: stuff. Well, I don't know that any of us preseason would have predicted even making the postseason like that. I think ACC, ACC tournament was probably the ceiling we would have put on this team. So good stuff. That said, it sucks to watch a team play poor defense. I mean, it's, it's brutal, brutal to watch. Right. And, um, you know, they are young, I think, it, but still, there's a lot of coaching decisions that could come in that could kind of improve what they've got. So
2: let's hope we see that in this final run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, we've talked about defense all year long. I don't think it's going to get any better. So it's, improvement is going to have to come in other areas to compensate for that. But all things considered, great first season so far for Monty Lee. And really exciting to know that we're going to have Seth here for two more years after this. For sure. Um,
1: well, we're about up a time. Um, we're going to wrap, though, by strongly recommending that you guys pencil in some time to watch uh, the NBA playoffs particularly the Spurs-Thunder series um, that's turning into a classic before our very eyes. Um, definitely keep track of Golden State Warriors, we, as we've talked about all season long. They're making history. Uh, there's a little intrigue going on with Steph Curry's ability to play. Um, if he does or doesn't play, I think those are still going to be really good games against the Portland Trailblazers and then going into the Western Conference
2: Finals. Can so I, Can um, I say something real quick? How about the Hawks complaining that the Cleveland Cavaliers kept hitting or taking threes when they were up so big? 25 threes made. You know, get stop it then. Go out and defend somebody. Yeah. Just, like, this, this isn't college. This isn't peewee. Like, this isn't youth league, church league basketball. Yeah. Like, this is professional. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. Go out there and defend somebody. Stop Have complaining. Some pride. Yeah. Right? You know, they set a record in the playoffs. Hell yeah, I would go for a record in the playoffs. Those don't come easy and often. For sure, stop complaining, Atlanta. Yeah, they haven't beaten the
1: Cavs in something like ten or eleven straight games, so I expect a sweep tomorrow for sure.
2: And the other thing that I'll say is that the first round of the playoffs just needs to go either go away completely, or have like four, three out of five, two in each conference. Do that best of three and give the other teams, uh, the best teams, a first round bye because the first round of the NBA playoffs is brutal, and the fact that this whole play the playoffs last about two and a half months. Yeah, it's crazy. It's all about money, though. They're,
1: every night for two and a half months, they've got one to two games.
2: I, I, think, it just, I think it waters down the product. The, the NBA is not deep enough in good teams. It just
0: isn't. Cody, what do you got? I love every night. Uh, like It's like five or six weeks straight of an NBA game on every night. Of really bad NBA games, though? Some of them. Some of them are good though. You get the good and the bad. I I would be you're okay drinking
1: with drinking like kombucha or whatever he's drinking. Like it's prune juice,
0: good. Prune would, juice, you would, something in your life. I'd yeah. be okay. Uh, m- mocking it down to five. Cody, um, do you
2: watch hockey? Of course. Oh man, I don't watch hockey. What yet. do we have going on Ever, here? No,
0: Anybody I got to get
1: into hockey. Playoff hockey is the best. You're from Ohio. Yeah, but Ohio's weird. We didn't. We don't have a pro team, so. It's Do cold you, Do you that's go like weird. Detroit's team? Do you like Pittsburgh? Like, I like the Penguins growing up. Then Mario, Mario Lemieux, Jaromir Jager, but I don't know. It's weird. But playoff hockey is incredible.
0: Hockey is underrated in the South and the West.
2: Underrated? All over. I think it's appropriately rated. <laughs> you it's ever a- been to a hockey game? Yes, I have. It's exciting. South Carolina Spurs. So like, like, have you been to an NHL game? No, I have not. These guys are good. It's I'll incredible. Say I it's- enjoy Olympic hockey. I think that's great. True.
0: You know what's caught on a lot in America recently is soccer. Hockey's a lot like soccer, except it's like 10 times better.
2: Yeah.
1: There's hitting. Soccer's better. Soccer, you have flopping. Hockey, you have fights. I just,
0: like, I hate to see, like, guys turn the ball over 10 times before the, I mean, just constant turnover, turnover, turnover. You're controlling a ball with your foot. You have, like, really no control over it. That's not entertaining. Like, the cutting and the passing that happens, like, at the Gold Gold State games is incredible to watch.
2: Soccer is such a more beautiful game. Than like what? It's more fluid than hockey.
0: Hockey's fluky, I'll, I'll be honest. Hockey's a, hockey's a bunch of Nordic it's,
2: guys running to each other. Canada. There's so the much boards. more control Canadians. that you can
0: have. It's, it's pretty common sense with your hands versus your feet. And I like to see people control the ball, pass the ball, and, and not this constant turnover back and forth. One, like 90 minutes, one to nothing, woohoo!
1: Or a tie.
0: Or a tie, even worse.
2: Big
1: tie in hockey. Clemson Soccer made the natty so it gets a uh, pass. I don't think Clemson
2: hockey's gonna make the natty. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> I think there's a uh, what do you call it? A club team or something like that.
0: Hey, Clemson Soccer, it's one of the big sports.
2: sports. And congratulations to the golf team, by the way. They've been playing
0: really well this year. Yeah, they're they're intently listening right now. They're like, God, I hope they mention our names. <laughs> At the seventy seventh
1: minute. Here's your of plug. Our show.
0: Here's your plug golf team. Here you go. You guys are awesome.
1: Before we hit 78, why don't we wrap it up? Um, Thank you all for listening, making it this far. Uh, We will be back at you in the next two to three weeks with some more podcast goodness. Um, In the meantime, let's go Tiger baseball, Tiger golf, and Tiger football coach recruiting. Go Tigers.